Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, if you have a Bible handy. Starting at verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, that's Paul's way, uh, Peter's way of saying you weren't anybody, but now you're somebody. You're God's people. And once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. When, when Peter um, was first called by the Lord, he was a nobody. He was a backwood, you know, um, tobacco-chewing redneck that used to fish. And uh, I, one person identifies with that. <laughs> and uh, I, I like those guys. They're kind of cool, you know. I used to hang out with them in Montana. Anyways, um, he, he, was, he was nobody. And one day, this guy came along, uh, probably scrawny, really not, really impressionable. But he put out a call to Peter and he said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. I will radically transform your life from what it is now to something that I know it can be. As a matter of fact, when he first met him, he says, I know who you are. You're Simon, the son of Jonah, but you shall be Cephas. He says, in that single statement, I know what I have for you. I know what I can do through you and, and to you. And, and you know what? Sometimes it takes just a little bit of um, holy imagination to see what God has in store for you. Sometimes we get stuck with what the world says that you're going to be. You're going to be this, and, and you kind of get pigeonholed in that mold. If that was the case, then I should be in East L.A. doing drive-bys, if that's the case. But that's not the case. God has something so much more in store for you than the world has already de- determined or pre- pre-decided for you. You just have to take your time and say, okay, Lord, what is that? Now, one of those things that we know for a fact is that we have been called to be priests. Now, when you get the word, the idea of priest, something comes along with it. It kind of seems a little lofty, a little elevated, makes you feel like you got to go home and change into your, your best attire. And if you don't have any, you'll probably go shopping in order to fill that, that role. That's not at all what it means. You've heard this over and over and over through sermons and through messages that you are the priest of your home. You're the priest of of your workplace. You're the priest. So what exactly is a priest? Uh, Peter, he says, you are a chosen race, the royal priesthood. He's saying that emphatically. He's not saying that suggestively. He's not saying, hey, you know what? This is a good idea. How about this, guys? You're a priesthood. How does that ring? Does it sound good? No, he says it as a matter of fact. And perhaps up until today, you haven't really embraced that matter-of-fact status of being a priest. Maybe even even you heard the word before and you said, well, I don't live up to the standard of priest. I mean, I know that there is some expectation of what priesthood means, and I know I don't meet it. Well, let's find out what a priest actually is. First of all, there's a couple of things, and I'll keep this brief um, just so that you can chew on these, these two ideas. First of all, a priest is someone who brings others to God. The, the, the role for the priest in the Old Testament, at least the way we see it in the Bible, is they had a responsibility to bring the people to God and bring God to the people. They were that, they were that intermediary. They, they, were, they fit that role perfectly. The people didn't have direct access to God, first of all. They couldn't just go to God as they, as they pleased. 
um, they had always somebody that was a representative for them. And God, God determined that that representation would be through the priesthood. A, a specific tribe out of the nation of Israel had been set apart, and their specific role was to, was to be that representation for the people. And so they facilitated worship. They facilitated the interaction with God. They had standards. There was expectations. But um, along, with, along with this idea that they, they brought others to God is they had a special privilege associated with that. And, it, and, the, and their special privilege above all others is they had special access. Part of being a priest is they have special access to God. You know, that might sound a little cocky. It might sound a little arrogant. It might sound a little, you know, like, who do we think we are? We have special access to God. You know that there are, there are myriads of people out there that want access to God, and they don't have it. They, they are told by the religious leaders, well, you have to come through me in order to get to God. Or you have to do X, Y, and Z in order to get to God. You don't have access to God. Pastor Rob talked about the Geneva Bible and all these different versions of the Bibles back in the, uh, back in the ancient days. Well, those days were because the idea was you can't have direct access to God. How dare you think that you could just approach God? You're a common man. But he says, no, that, that's actually not the case. You are a priesthood, and part of the priesthood comes with the special access to God. And let me ask you this morning, are you taking advantage of that special access to God? And I would just say, I would just say, and then, you know what, you could stone me afterwards. I would just say a wholehearted, healthy, no, you are not. It's not a, not a word of condemnation. It's a word of examination. I know because he said, you know what, there were 700, almost 1,000 people at the day of prayer. I can, I can bet all of my possessions and my family there are more than 700 Christians than in Canal Valley. I, I can guarantee that. There, there has to be 700 to 1,000 has to be probably 2% of the believing, the believing faction in Conejo Valley. Special access to God. It's a privilege. Yeah, we treat it like it's a wart on the back of our rear end. Oh, that, oh that's there? Oh. Oh, that day of prayer? Oh, why? You know, that cuts right into my meal time. I'm really sorry. <laughs> you know what? That's that's the day that the Dodgers are playing. You know, and I, I, you know, that opening day at Dodger Stadium. Come on, I, I can't miss that. Um, now, if it was the Giants playing, yeah, I, I totally understand. You, you miss miss whatever you need to miss. I'm just kidding. <laughs> they had special access. It was a privilege. But you know what? In the Old Testament, it was a privilege of the professionals, not the common. If you, if you get a chance, read the Old Testament tonight. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 39 books, I mean, you'll be reading for a while. And it, it, was, it was something that was granted to the elite, the special class of people. I think we have to take in our mind and kind of do away with that Only special people have access to God. You have access to God. Hey, Pastor Manny, can you pray for me? Why do you want me to pray for you? Well, because you're a pastor. You have special access to God. You're not saying that, but that's what you're thinking. Why not come up to me and say, Pastor Manny, can I pray for you? Why? Do you have special access to God? You better believe it. I'm a priest. I have just as as much access as anybody else. And that's that's how we ought to be thinking. 
So it, had, it came with special access. Um, and, and these guys not only had special access to God himself, but they, they had a special group of people that had access to the most holy of holy places that, that God expressed himself. Um, but now as Christians, as you and I have, we have complete and unrestricted access 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're, we're not limited. We're not limited. I, I went, I've been to Jerusalem a couple of times, and you know what? I long to go back. You know, I long to be there again. I mean, it just feels like, you know, when you're there in your mind, you kind of say this. Like, I think it's a little more holy here than it is everywhere else in the world. And you, you think that in the back of your mind. And what makes it holy is, yeah, you know, our Lord Savior walked there you know, in his earthly lifetime. Um, but really, the Bible says where two or more are gathered, there he is in the midst. He's with us right now. This is the holy temple. This is the place. We have access. But not only that, this word, you know, it's pretty cool. This word um, priest in the Latin, um, the word is uh, pontifex. Sounds like a really like crazy word. You know what it means? It's really simple. This is a, some people think it means high and lofty one, and it probably does in some regards. But the, but the literal translation in the Latin is someone who's a bridge builder. You know, the, the, the thing about the priesthood in the Old Testament, what, what came along with their special access is they, they built bridges for people to get to God. They, they, they made it possible for these people who were disconnected from God in order to, to step over them so that they can have access to God. You know that you and I have been called to be bridge builders for the Lord. You know, that story that he shared... It, it, all that came with it, you know, all the, the, the glitz and all the special trappings. You know what? He finally recognized that, you know what? All of that was simply the process for me to be the bridge for this woman who had received bad news so that she can have access to God. You know what? Yeah, he told you about the glamour and the highlights of his trip. He didn't tell you about the part that took him away from the flock that he so longs to be with. He didn't tell you the part that took him away from his family that he loves to be with and have dinner with and minister to. He didn't tell you the part of, you know, the traveling and getting in the airplane and being jet lagged and being displaced from your home and sleeping in a different bed that doesn't belong to you. Didn't tell you all the other stuff because they want to bog you down. But the reality is... There was an element of him dying to self so that he could be a bridge so that someone else could have access to God. Being a bridge builder means that you're going to have an element, a level of dying to yourself so that someone else can step on you so that they can get to God. That means dying to some of your personal preferences, dying to some of the things that you hold near and dear to your heart, you know, Laying in a bed that doesn't belong to you so that you can go and sleep four hours so that you can go and minister to someone that you had no idea that you were going to touch. But if you have no idea that you're a bridge builder, you're going to walk around as a bridge destroyer. You're going to walk around with a jackhammer saying, how can I destroy that ideology and tear down that wall and tear down that notion? And, and we go around sometimes as these, as these people who have a vendetta to try to bring the world down for Christ. When in reality, we've been called to be a priesthood so that we can, have, so we can have the opportunity to be bridge builders. Are you a bridge builder this morning? And we're bridge builders in, in, a, in a bunch of different ways. You know, we're bridge builders for our wives, for those of you that are married here. You are a bridge 
so that your wife can come to a place of intimacy, not with you, but with Christ. And sometimes that requires dying to yourself. Like, well, how long do I have to die to myself before I get to at least stand my ground? Goodness sakes. Well, if it's for the rest of your life, then it's for the rest of your life. You said I do on that altar, not me. So you have to deal with it all of your life. But this job that I work at, you don't understand the people I work for. They're, they're atheists. They hate God. Listen, I work for a guy that hates God. My boss at the jail, I work as a chaplain during the week. My boss hates God. He went in my office. He says, why do you have so many Bibles in here? Um, I, I just started yesterday. Can you give me a couple weeks to develop an answer, sir? And he said this to me. It offends me that you have so many versions of Bibles in this office. Straight up. Okay, let me take those down so that you're not, you're not upset. No, I put more. <laughs> I went and got more. <laughs> yeah, I'm not taking them down, first of all. And then and I was like, you know what? I, I had to be a bridge builder. I sat down with my other boss, who is the commander. He's the top dog in the jail. Little did I know that I was going to be working for this guy, performing ceremony for my, my son. He got married a couple months ago. I was right there, you know, performing the ceremony, went off to the uh, reception. This lady comes up to me. She's like, oh, hey, my husband works at the jail. Oh, really? What's your husband's name? Oh, his name is such and such. Oh, I can't. I don't know. I just I, they went for the interview. I don't know anybody's names. Well, well, show me who he is. And she took me over to him. I realized, oh, that's the guy I interviewed with. Oh, that's the main guy. And I ended up getting hired. And so as time goes on, I'm having lunch with the commander, and um, he's a solid believer. He was there with, with nine other people in Francis Chan's home as they started Cornerstone in his living room. He's a solid, devoted person for Christ. Sitting down with lunch, and I was like, yeah, my boss, he's a pretty interesting guy. He's really, he doesn't have any, any kind of religious upbringing whatsoever. And he looks at me, he's like, that's why you're here, Manny. You're here to be a bridge builder so that he can come to know Christ. That means that there's going to be days where I don't like the way he rubs me. There's going to be things he's going to say that don't settle well with me. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, I've got to navigate those waters carefully so that he could, he could navigate over my life so that he can get to and approach God. And I'll tell you, unfortunately, there's been other people that have had the same title and position that have said, no, this bridge isn't for crossing and you don't have access. And they've put their religious foot on the ground and said, no, you don't have permission to cross this bridge I'm like, Lord, give me wisdom. I want to be a, a bridge builder so that others can come to God. But not only that, secondly, a priest is a person who brings an offering to God. The priests used to come, and they used to, the people used to come to the temple, and they used to bring their, their animal, their sacrifice. They would offer it to the priest, and the priest would then take it, and then he would offer it to the Lord on behalf of the people. So he was the one that offered to God on behalf of the people. And I believe Christians also must constantly bring their offerings to the Lord. And I think sometimes we've kind of, we've kind of categorized what's acceptable as offering and what's not acceptable. We've said, okay, 
um, okay, God, I, you know, this is cool. I, I love this church thing. You know, this is pretty rad. I'm glad that you saved me from a life of sin and death. But um, check this out. I got this schedule, you know, put together. All right. And this schedule, it says this is what I'm willing to offer. And, uh, and if you're cool with it, because I'm pretty sure you are, because you're a God of grace and mercy and love. And I know that you'll let me do anything I want. So, uh, so, so check this out, God. Sunday, Sunday's yours. It is all yours, man. I mean, you know, from, from, from 9 a.m. until 12, it's all yours, God. I mean, you know, you can have those three hours. You know, the rest has got to be me. I mean, and, and Lord, I know that you'll understand. If there's Super Bowls on and I have to get ready for the party, I know that you'll be understanding to give me a little bit of leeway on that day. But check this out, God. Okay, Sunday's good. Um, you know what? I think Wednesday, Wednesday works out, you know, unless my boss has me work overtime because you know, God, that you gave me a job so that I could provide for my family. And God knows that double time on a Wednesday night is totally worth missing church, right? I mean, isn't that the purpose? Not so much. See, we, we've developed in our minds some way to categorize what's acceptable in terms of our offering and what's not acceptable. And I know you guys are looking at me like, I don't like this guy so much. Who's the next guy? You know, you're looking at your calendar, you're like, oh, okay. this guy, the next guy's going to be sweet. You know, it's going to be cool. But check this out. Don't we need to be rubbed in such a way that we confront the reality of our hearts so that we can give all the glory to God? I don't think it's it. I went to the dentist last week, and, you know, I was like, oh, my tooth, it hurts, you know. Can, can you do something? They're like, yeah, we can do something. But we have to put you through more pain in order to make it go away. I was like, I don't care. And I went in, and I, was, I had the flu to top it off. I was sick, and I was laying upside down, and so all the blood's rushing to my head. I feel like I'm gonna, my head's going to blow up. And they're like, we have to put you through more pain in order to relieve you of the thing that's hurting you. And sometimes we need to come to men's retreats or we need to go to church even when it hurts, when it no, we know it's going to rub us in the wrong way. How many times have you heard or said or, or even confessed yourself, oh, I can't go to church today? Why not? You, well, you know what? We got in a fight. Uh, we were getting dressed and something happened. The dog beat on the rug and you know what? It's all bad. Forget it. I'm not going to church today because my attitude is so bad. I'd rather not go to church then go with the bad attitude and ruin my time with the Lord. That would be like me saying, I'm not going to the dentist. I, I, need, a, I need a root canal, but it hurts. You know, forget it. Well, let's just wait till you die. Then we can take your tooth out. That's not how it works. National Day of Prayer, Thursday night. Thursday was like the worst day. It's like the worst day. Everything was working wrong. Everything from, from the time I woke up, it's just, it just kept, just check the tick marks off, you know, like that went wrong, that went wrong, that went wrong, and just kept getting worse. It, it wasn't like, like settling down, it got more intense as the, as the time approached the National Day of Prayer. And in my heart, I thought, you know what, I think people understand why I won't go. In my flesh, right? No, I can't go. Spirit said, no, you need to go. You need to be there. You need my spirit to correct your heart. You need my spirit to make things right. There's times where we don't want to, but we have to. Romans 12, 1 and 2 should be, should be on your mind. Should be the thing that you memorize. You know, should be the thing that, 
that not just struggling comes off your lips. It should be the thing that flows because this should be the attitude of everyone's heart in here. Romans 12, one and two. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's us. You are a living sacrifice. Every single aspect of it, every single day. There's a moment where you're not you. You're not just you on Sunday morning from 9 to 12. You are you 24-7. That means that your, your acceptable offering is 24-7. If someone calls you in the middle of the night and says, hey, you know what? I need, I need this. I'm sorry. I'm off. <laughs> I'm off. I, I was off at 5 o'clock. You can call me tomorrow and leave a message, and I'll get back to you then. No, you're on call 24-7. You know, it's been said, you know, people say like, oh, you're a pastor. Um, you know, oh, you don't get a day off. I'm like, you don't get a day off either. <laughs> you don't get a day off? Who said you get a day off? Where, where did you get that idea from? Oh, the world has trained you that way. The world has trained you to keep, you know, compartmentalize your work schedule. Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday are yours. Are they really yours? Not really. All those days are, are God's. You go to work because God wants you to be there. Go and be a bridge builder. He lets you go home so you can go home and be a bridge builder when you get home. He lets you go to church so you can be a bridge builder for those that need Christ, that relate to you because they don't relate to everybody else. God has called you and I to be priests. Take it. Own it. Run with it. Let's stop running away from you know, being afraid. I don't qualify as a priest because I haven't met the standard. I tell you what, nobody, nobody's met the standard. Jesus said it himself. Unless you exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, you don't meet the standard. So let's stop trying to meet the standard and let's, let's accept the, the acceptable standard of Christ who's been imputed to us by faith every single day. Amen?